you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And Smith fumbled the football. It's picked up by Williams. He's in for the touchdown. All kinds of time for Taylor. And he's got Carlos Williams. And he's in the end zone. It's Marshall. Take it off. Yes. He takes it home. Schmidt. He lost the handle. And here come the Jets to knock him down. Pass is intercepted. And the Bills are going to win it. In one of the most challenging games in NFL history for colorblind people, the Bills stuck a fork in the around the NFL crew. They took the fork out of their back and they beat the New York Jets 22-17 to in MetLife Stadium. I'm Greg Rosenthal. I'm here with Chris Wesseling. We're going to get to Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler. We're going to preview all the Week 10 games Soon, we're even going to get Connor Orr on the phone live from uh, MetLife Stadium in just a couple of minutes. But first, Wes, let's talk about this game. What, what was your big takeaway watching the Bills get a huge road win? It was a game that could have gone other, either way, but the big plays came out in the Bills' favor. The Devin Smith fumble on a kickoff return was a killer. And then a couple of bad drops from Brandon Marshall and a third down drop from Eric Decker. Uh, Kellen Davis wasn't on the same page with Ryan Fitzpatrick on a – Fourth down play in the end zone that could have put the Jets in the lead late in the game. Yeah, I don't think the Bills necessarily looked like a much better team. It looked like two even teams. And the fourth down plays are what I'm thinking of. There was uh, the drop by Decker. There's also, you know, this that set up the fourth down call where they throw it short of the sticks to Brandon Marshall. There was a lot of throwing short of the sticks from both teams. And then, of course, the play to Davis. I like that Todd Bowles. Uh, was aggressive throughout the night, but that play call doing some sort of rub route, throwing it to a guy with one catch all year was curious. And then I think it was telling 
when the Bills got the ball back, the Jets had all three timeouts, but the Bills ran the ball pretty well there. They get the big third down to Sammy Watkins, who had tough time with Darrell Revis all night, but he turned Revis around. And he's going to remember that play for a long, long time. That was a key play in the game. And then, you know, LaShawn McCoy had 31 rushing yards on that last drive. So just getting rid of those timeouts, burning some clock, and basically ending the Jets' chances. We really screwed up in forking the Bills. I did, especially. Well, when we forked them, we didn't. I had them in the playoffs before the season, and I was arguing for them that whole show, and then I just gave up. Well, they've got this playmaking trio now. When we forked them, no one knew when LaShawn McCoy would be back, when Sammy Watkins would be back, when Carlos Williams would be back. It was our fault for just assuming they would be injured longer than they were, but these guys are carrying that offense right now, and really it's hard to shut them down. Well, Tyrod Taylor had one of his worst games. It was not a good game for either quarterback. I would say Ryan Fitzpatrick played one of his worst games of the year, too. He made some nice throws in the in the second half on the comeback tri- trail, but really did not play well overall. Missed a lot of throws. Chris Ivory looked like Chris Ivory again. But uh, while we're talking, let's just get uh, our friend Connor Orr on the line here, who's down in the bowels somewhere of MetLife Stadium. Connor, are you there, buddy? What's happening, everybody? It's good. Great to have you on a, a post-TNF uh, game. You watch this game in person. You're coming from the locker room and uh, the Rex Ryan press conference. Tell, tell us a little bit about what, what's going on after the game there. I mean, you know, Rex just he, – he went full Rex on everybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was um, – I mean, that, that was a performance of a lifetime. I mean, you know, he's calling out reporters from, like, three years ago on stories they wrote about him in New York and, like, <laughs> headlines that were you know made to poke fun of him but he was here he still remembers it like it, it was unbelievable and then he equated um being uh fired by the jets uh to being dumped by a hot girl and then he said that uh but every now and then uh the girl calls you but she can't have you back and like it was just like this unbelievable like you could almost tell he was kind of holding back some real emotion like you know there was another level to this but he was, was holding great. back I mean, it was yeah, he I did mean, not you know, look like a man holding back. He, um, you know, I think there was another level to that. I think there were some things that he probably wanted to say that he couldn't. Uh, but I mean, he he was fired up. It was uh, it was it was pretty incredible. Well, you were running down to the locker room, so I don't know if you saw it. I mean, he was pretty fired up at the end of the game. With uh, it wasn't hard to read his lips what he said over and over. F yeah, f yeah over and over at the end of the game. And I I would not blame Dan Hansis if he skipped. Uh, the start of this podcast or this podcast in general, because I think this is going to be a very tough one for the Jets fan and Dan in general to watch, to to see the Jets lose this game in a typical painful Jets fashion, and then to watch Rex kind of just enjoying every minute of it afterwards. It was, uh, I mean, you know, I think that definitely what you said, kind of the, the icing on the cake was the full-on headset and hat spike afterwards. <laughs> I mean, it was just like... You know, that that was just like dancing in the end zone afterwards. And, uh, you know, it, it was incredible. I mean, you know, you know that the guy wore his heart on his sleeve. He didn't even show up um, during the pregame. He stayed in the locker room for the entire pregame. So, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, he, th- this was such an emotional endeavor for him. And you could tell, I mean, you know, he was he did not want to lose this game. And, you know, I think he put the Patriots ahead of the Jets during press conferences, but you could tell it was the other way around. He, he, he wanted this one in the worst way. Connor, these teams are both five and four. The Bills seem to be uh, have momentum in their favor. 
but the Jets have an easier schedule in the next month. Do you get a, Do you have a sense now of which team is in better shape? I think we'll we'll really be able to tell. You know, even if they lose to New England on Monday night next week, just based on how well the Bills can play them a second time, and you know, if you know Tyrod seemed to be limping a bit today, I mean, we'll see how his health comes out. But for the Jets, yeah, I mean, they've got an easier schedule. Their play calling has to get better. I mean, you know, they they put themselves in some really bad situations tonight, and you know, I think Greg was talking about it right before I came on, but. There's a couple calls that are going to be really difficult for them to explain this week, and, and that, that's got to get better. If you think about this game, though, they, they stopped the Bills four straight three and outs in the second half. The Jets turned the ball over four times, and the Bills didn't turn it over at all, and yet it was still down to the last drive of the game. The, the Bills averaged 4.4 yards per play, which is a really low number. Overall, I think the Jets' defense probably had a, a better night than the Bills' defense, so... I don't think Jets should feel like like their season is somehow going downhill after this game. They, I think they look maybe slightly like the better team or, or very even teams tonight, but, but it's going to be a tough one. You can only blow so many of these opportunities in the division. I think the Jets have to wonder what their identity is. This is two out of three weeks where they've been run all over. They couldn't stop Latavius mm. Murray. They can't stop LaShawn McCoy and Carlos Williams. Yeah, and I mean, I think that was kind of the intent. I mean, you know, if you're talking about the Bills, I mean, that's the design. I mean, Rex, you know, he knows he's not a good in-game coach. I mean, he knows that there are going to be <laughs> oh, yeah. days like like this week where there's 10 minutes left, no challenges, and oh, no timeouts. Gosh. But this is a team that is kind of built not to negate these situations, but, I mean, you know, he wanted a power running team in the worst way every year that he's been in the NFL. And I feel like this is the closest thing that he's had to the offense that he's wanted right mm. down to the coordinator. And I say, I feel like we're starting to see kind of what his, his vision was initially. Yeah, that's true. And I think they'll get better in terms of the pass rush when Mario Williams gets healthy. Thank you, Connor, uh, for calling. We're going to send this over to uh, Dan and, and everyone and start, previewing the rest of the week 10 games but before before i do that i just got to mention no no more of the color rush uniforms just making it tough for all us colorblind people out there you couldn't tell what was going on during the game so enough with the color rush now let's get on to the week 10 games the around the nfl podcast now available in pumpkin spice Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wow. When the, when the show starts and you do your little intro, now all I can think of are those uh, two charming Australian girls, right? Australian? That sent, uh, yeah. Yes. That sent in the From video. From Australia. Oh, well, yeah. actually, let's listen to that right now. Hi, I'm Ann Gowry. And I'm Calliope. And we're from Australia. We have no interest in NFL, but our dad listens to the podcast every single week. So this is our impression of the introduction. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Westling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Isn't that nice? I love that. That's awesome. They were great. Angori and Calliope. Calliope sent uh, posted by Jeremy Rice on YouTube. Uh, fans all over the world, Mark. On top of the world, even though you're under the weather, you're on top of the world. You get that? Yeah, it's not accurate. I mean, the under the weather part is not on top of the this world. Is, this is Mark Sessler's flu game. 
<laughs> Someone should write a profile in a men's magazine called Mark Zessler has a cold. I like the idea of that. <laughs> I feel like you've made this flu game analogy before in this very podcast studio. I think with Mark. I have. Could be wrong. It yeah. was with me. Oh, okay. It was with Wes. When I came back from uh, wherever I was. Right. It's well-trod territory. from the airport. How you feeling, Mark? I... I don't know. I'm on a medication. <laughs> I've not really I don't take medication and I took uh a heavy dosage this morning and I have no idea who I am or where I am. I will I'm going to share this just because this is a, a safe space on the podcast. We were recording our now hit and after one of the hits busted because of a graphics error, Mark said <laughs> with a straight face, I got three more in me. Three total. That's three it. Three total. And it had nothing to do with Just the, a, that was a, a Sydney, behind the glass, did you take that as a threat from the talent? Not a threat. It was a oh. challenge. Thank you. I we stopped did it in three takes. And I stopped Sydney after to make sure that she knew. Yeah. It was not it was I was not trying to be hostile. Chris I just, Berman-like moment. <laughs> which no, actually, it wasn't. You've actually said that same sort of thing almost every Sunday night anyway. So it's, it's not too Well, different. it just felt real this time. But we do admire you for coming in. We know you're under the weather, and it's just not the same without you, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I am. No, I am. I could have decided not to. I couldn't be happier to be here. Okay, good. There we go. The whole family's together. Greg? It's so great. <laughs> so happy. And I saw Greg today on NFL Network on the Around the NFL television program. A high tide lifts all boats. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Thanks for being the star that we all look up to. <laughs> You're welcome. Someone's right. got to do it. So we got. Um, I'm gonna take the pressure. A lot, a lot to get to today. Of course, this is our Thursday, early Friday, depending when you hear it. Uh, preview show. Um, before that, uh, we get into those games, uh, and let me just go over what we have ahead of us. There's 32 teams. Four teams on by, means 28 teams. 14 games. 13 to talk about. Wes, can we take the volume down on the laptop and be a pro? Done. <laughs> and, uh, but before we get into all those, uh, was the math right there, Greg? You were 100% correct. Cool. And you heard at the top of the show, of course, uh, Wes and Greg talk about the Jets and Bills. And the good thing about this is we taped this show before the Thursday night game. Um, so I don't know if the Jets won or not. If the Jets would have lost and then we taped it, I probably would not have been in a good mood. But you're in a great mood. But I'm in a great mood because I'm, I'm getting ready to see my team on Thursday Night Football. Don't let me down, guys. Confidence level, one through 100. Out of 100? Yeah. Uh, 56. That's not very strong. Well, that's why uh, you know I'm always on guard as a Jets fan. But, yes, that game is in the past for the listener right now. Now we move to the future. Like I said, we have 13 games to talk about. Let's start talking about him. And we'll get going in order from the early earliest game to the latest game, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, let's get started against the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, this is a game I know you guys are very excited about. And and I will say this, Greg, you I think you brought it up in the last podcast that there's some talk, some buzz in the Crescent City. No, not the Crescent City. What do they call Baltimore? Charm City. Charm City, thank you. Please. Uh, that there is a potential playoff run. <laughs> you know, you don't think it's Charm City, Mark? Well, they can call themselves that. Yeah, well, I get it. I, Browns fan that coming from, I get that. But there's been buzz, Greg, that the Ravens think they got a playoff run in them if they could just get going. Well, if you don't like the Ravens, I suggest don't, don't read the Baltimore Sun this week. The level of confidence from the Ravens players that they are just – 
uh, an inch away from making a run and shocking everyone and going to the playoffs. Just the confidence. John John Harbaugh must have been preaching this throughout their bye week or whatever it was because they came back and they were like, well, of course, oh, of course we're going to make a run. We, you know, there's no there's no doubt. We totally consider ourselves in the mix. And if you look at their schedule and you look at the team, it's, it's not the craziest thing in the world to see them go on a little bit of a run. They got the Jags. They host the Rams at Browns, at Dolphins. Like, none of those games are games where you think they don't have a chance. I think they're about to lose on Sunday to the team that actually could go on a run. Mm. There's a lot more going on with, with, with the Jaguars right now than the Ravens. And I think that we've talked about this all week with what happened with Andrew Luck, one of these other teams in the South. If anyone wants this division, there's no evidence of that that Jacksonville is a good chance to be that team with Blake Bortles playing the way he is. Can I just say the little gravel in your voice is a little bit sexy? I honestly, I feel like, have you ever woken up in a weird house and within four or five minutes you remember where you were? Yeah, I've done that. that I did that. that long to figure well, out. Well, it's hours yeah. later and I still don't know where I am, so <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Wes, your feelings. I woke up in somebody's strange basement one time on Tybee. <laughs> I, meant I about don't the doubt game, that. But <laughs> Not a shock. Your thoughts on the Jets? Yeah, once? I, I figured you've woken up in every strange basement there is in Tybee. <laughs> Not once. That's true, yeah. And attic. And on the beach. And can't, Yeah, all right, go ahead. Your thoughts on the Jaguars? Work. It's incredible how much more firepower the Jaguars have on offense. The Ravens' number one receiver is a special teamer named Kamar Aiken. And the Jaguars have, in Robbins, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, the first wide receiver duo since uh, the 2007 Randy Moss-Wes Welker to have 600 yards and six touchdowns by midseason. And I still I, – I don't think that Julius Thomas is untalented. He just hasn't gotten on track yet. So they've got three weapons. They're better than anything the Ravens Well, that have. makes them fun to watch, and they are, but it doesn't make them good. They are a better fantasy team than they are reality, and Bortles is a better fantasy quarterback than he is reality. It's the Bortles coaster. When you watch him, it's like, it's almost exhausting at this point. Well, that's he's got the right matchup because Joe Flacco is the most roller coaster quarterback in the NFL for the past few years. That That's totally fair. I mean, the game against the Jets was a perfect example. He had about seven or eight outrageous plays in that game. Great throws, runs, athleticism, throws under pressure. Uh, but he also had a fumble near the goal line. He also had a, a interception. He had an interception that Darrell Rivas should have had for a pick six. Yep. And it's a lot of just ups and downs with Bortle. He's never the same quarter to quarter. And the difference, I think, is the stories come out of Baltimore is the DNA of the Ravens are they do believe they can do this. And they've come back from the dead before their Super Bowl season. That record at one point, they came back from the absolute grave to win that thing. And Jacksonville, Blake Bortles had quotes this week saying, you know, we're just still a step away from learning how to win these close games. They're mentally somewhere different. So that's the difference with Baltimore. I mean, maybe, maybe they pull it out. Maybe with Baltimore, because they, they, they speak with confidence like they're their old Ravens, but they're not the old Ravens. It's almost like they think Ray Lewis is still on the team. And speaking of Ray Lewis, Sydney, I would like to hear Ray Lewis's snippet of the new single that he released yeah. on his Instagram page. Uh, the name of the song is a strange name. It's called Can You Stand the Rain? No question mark. So how would you even stress that? Is that can you stand the rain? Can you stand the rain? Well, if, <laughs> how do you do it without a question mark? Without no question mark. It's just can you stand the rain? Can you stand the rain? Don't stress don't can. Yeah. Just put the question mark in. Let's hear the snippet. That's why men cry for women. That's why women, women. It's crazy. Can I slow down to... To honor a woman. Mama, if you hear me, I'm sorry for the pain. And pass it to your love, I was in 
That's it. That's the snippet. In in other words, he released 18 seconds of the song, and he said, I'm going to release the best 18 seconds of my new album. Your thoughts, Wes? It's terrible. Or- <laughs> Why would anybody listen to that? I, yeah, this, this is not someone that I need more of in my life. <laughs> I agree with that. It, is It's the situation with Ray Lewis where he's got enough handlers around him, I would assume this is what it is, that have told him that he's a great rapper, uh, <laughs> that now he believes he's the next big contemporary. Was it even rap? And we don't even get to that. Or is it like R&B or what? I it, think what's he, going on? I, in the Around the NFL post, I called him uh, a, a rising contemporary R&B star. Okay. And he should just go by Ray Ray if he's going to do it. Sure. So not a good, not good ratings on that song. Give it a, give it a grade. I would take rising and star out of the sentence you wrote. I could not understand the incomprehensible jarbled mess coming out of his mouth to know what wow. to think of the song. He's terrible. Uh, as far as that game goes, I, th- uh, I think if you're going to pick, you know, a new music release this week, Missy Elliott, it's really the better bet than than Ray Lewis. I, that's, yeah. that's how I'd go. I tweeted that I listened to the Missy Elliott song right after the Ray Lewis song, <laughs> and it was jarring. <laughs> the Missy song is very good. Yeah, she's great. And a look at our picks for the week. Uh, Mark Sessler with the hero pick. Well, we used to have hero picks until Greg stopped making them. You could still keep doing them. Uh, where's the burlap sack, by the way? Got to go. We need it studio. behind your computer monitor. I get, yes. Remind me next week. Uh, the Jaguars. Uh, Mark has them. Mark, I believe it. Mark believes in. Well, you don't believe in the Ravens and you like the Jaguars. That makes it's not a bad hero pick at all. I think it's. I think the right Ravens are ripe for the picking this week. Mark convinced me. I'm going to change my pick to Ooh. the Jaguars. By the way, if you if you watch this game, treat yourself to the uh, Jared Odrick uh, Pee Wee Herman sack dance. If he gets another sack, best he'll sack, get three. Best sack dance in the game. Moving on, the Detroit Lions, uh, just fresh off their number 32 ranking in uh, the around the NFL power poll, now have to head to Green Bay to face uh, an angry Packers team. Not a great situation uh, for the Lions and Aaron Rodgers, who uh, really you would think, unless there's something seriously wrong with that offense, that he's going to break out sooner rather than later. And this would seem, Greg, to be the game where it happens. It is, but there is something seriously wrong with that offense. The, the last good front-to-back game Aaron Rodgers had was week three. That was the last time the Packers' offense looked like the Packers' offense. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers having a historical season. Right now, he's not. he would admit that he's not playing confidently. He When he missed Cobb uh, on that key fourth down, he said after the game he was indecisive. And I think that's been the case. Scared, he said. Yeah, and he also said he's been hesitant. And he's, I think he's thinking too much right now because receivers aren't getting open and he's not confident throwing into, into tight windows for them. Well, they don't have Jordy Nelson, and they also just don't have Eddie Lacy, who's essentially you know sabotaged this campaign because he can't get in shape to well, play football. He said this week, and James Starks is now ahead of Lacy on the – depth chart his quote to the media this week is i don't know what is hindering my play so unless he's uh you know playing coy he doesn't think it has anything to do with the way he's physically built right now he's just not performing well and not getting opportunities yeah uh back to greg's point on rogers i know in your quarterback ranks you kind of ripped on him for missing throws i thought against the panthers he made a series of some of the most incredible throws in the second half 
it's because his receivers aren't getting open. He has to pull off incredible he, he missed about six open throws in the first half, which you just don't see. You're right. The second half, he was outstanding. I mean, that's the thing. Aaron Rodgers still that, playing pretty well, but he missed a lot of open throws Wasn't that throw half. to the, t- the Cobb touchdown in the first half? No, that was the first drive of the second half. That was a, an incredible throw. Yes. But before that, Greg is correct in watching that game, before that Cobb play happened, no matter what the box score was, Green Bay's offense looked completely disjointed. Then they got on track, and, the, and his final numbers look – they don't look like the game that I saw on, uh, on the field. But Rodgers made a good point. He said, we, he said that was schoolyard football in the second half and that they can't rely on that, that he felt they were scrambling, they're making improv- improvisational plays, He's make, and that they need to have some structured offense that's working. And he even said that's, that's not working for them right now. He really seemed to be introspective after the game and this week about what's wrong. Maybe it will be a turning point because the schedule sets up nicely for them. They get the Lions twice over the next month. They get the Bears coming up soon too. I want to see what Jim Bob Cooter does with this Lions offense. Cooter! Came out, I believe Mark wrote it, where he said he wants to get Amir Abdullah more involved. But they haven't really gotten anything out of Golden Tate this year. Calvin Johnson hasn't played up to his talent level. They have all of these weapons, and they're not – they're not really getting anything out of them. They also seem week to week, like in the Abdullah article, I went and looked at his touches over the last five games, and they're all over the map. And Caldwell basically said, well, it comes down to the matchup week to week. Well, you know what? How about the fact that you stink? (laughs) You have one win. You have an explosive rookie. Why are you giving him one touch against the Chiefs? Ooh, Sesla on the cold medicine. He's spitting fire. <laughs> well, I just think it's like you have nothing. There's some teams that are still playing coy about their young players always, you know, we're still in this race. There's no reason for Detroit not. They're going to blow this machine up to find out what you have. Maybe the perfect cure, not for your cold, unfortunately, Mark. It's hard to pinpoint a cure for the human's basic cold. <laughs> but for Amir Abdul's inability to have a breakout game, is the Green Bay Packer defense. Got it out because I hold in my hands right here the 2015 season Week 10 research notes. There's Alanis Morissette, Wes. You were asking where she's been. There she is. She's the theme song of the research notes this week. Number 95 on the greatest breakup songs ever list. She's also uh, dressing up like a chicken on Jimmy Fallon, in case you were wondering where she is. Also, I think it's, mm. it's the mm. 20th anniversary of that, that album coming out. Is that why you brought it up the other week, or no? It was just just recently. Was I think Wes brought it up on Tuesday's show. Right. But because that, that Mecca's better. That it was the 20th anniversary, so it's a big moment, really, for Wes and all the Morris, Morris what, what do you call yourself, an Alanis head? Morris heads. Yeah, Mor- Morris Senate head? No, I'm, I'm the one who said the other day that Beck is way better than Alanis. You're one of the Morris Senators? Lattice Morissette, by the way, while we're here, had a very nice career. It wasn't just that album. She just never reached those heights. When you sell 25 million albums in your first out, it's hard to match. She did fine. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ironic. What an all-time American classic. (laughs) I don't know what that that has to do with anything. You're such a music snob, Greg. By the way, you ought to know. Have you noticed a little play into the research notes? Yeah. it's Nailed it. Perfect. The Packers' defense has been getting torched in its last three games. After allowing 316 yards per game, uh, uh, total yards per game through the first five games, the Packers have allowed 491.7 total yards per game and 375 through the air in three weeks. So while it makes sense to just bury the offense because you expected so much more, the defense is not helping out. Yeah, I remember an earlier season conversation when the Packers played the Rams and there was a debate about who had the better defense. I think we can settle that one. 
Uh, we took the Packers across the board to get off the Schneid. Yes. It's not Schneid. It's Schneid. From, Schneid. It's an old gin term from playing cards. Thank wow. you, Christopher, the mailman. Uh, moving on to another 1 p.m. game, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, humbled in the Dan Campbell era after two, uh, defini- uh, two uh, decisive losses now travel to the Philadelphia area to face the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles coming off that big win in overtime against the Cowboys, and I think the Around the NFL group believes that the Eagles are the favorite in the NFC East now. Now all they have to do is start stacking some wins and taking care of the uh, Dolphins on, on their home turf, Mark Sessler. That's what you got to do, right? I mean, this is the kind of game that if we're going to take the Eagles seriously on any level, and I'm not quite sure I do, that you've got to go in and just roll the Dolphins team. Well, we know it won't be close in the end, whoever wins. The Dolphins have not played in a game this season that was decided by 13 points or less. In a season where games are closer mathematically in terms of the margin of victory than ever before in NFL history, the, the Dolphins haven't had one remotely close game yet. So That's not true. As boring as it, it's not? The season opener against the Redskins oh, was no. a really close game. Ouch. It all <laughs> fell apart. Total misinformation campaign. See, that's Off why you CBS leave graphic. the research notes to me, Greg. 17 to 10, the f- week one. Mm. Leave it to me, buddy. They had to come back and beat the Redskins if I but remember But Greg's correctly. greater point is intact. <laughs> no, everything has fallen apart. <laughs> everything is dark. It's mostly Wait, accurate. Gonna happen. Wait, week, their, their second game was 23 as well. to 20. Apparently, it was just the last six or seven weeks. Well, in the Campbell era, there you are you, not wrong. There you go. All right. That's Greg's one of those guys that starts yeah. doing a lot of TV work and side podcasts, and then he starts losing the big picture. Is that true? It was off a of CBS graphic. I Ooh. thought it was interesting. Scapegoat. Scapegoat. Greg quickly pointing figures at a neighboring <laughs> network. <laughs> we'll see. And DeMarco Murray, who uh, was getting a ton of heat earlier in the season, and he deserved it. He wasn't playing well. Had a really nice game last week. Uh, and that's a couple nice games in the last um, – few weeks so you would think if he is uh running the ball much better now right you know we like ryan matthews it's all to me bradford ultimately he's got to be consistent well and this is a perfect matchup for your boy murray and ryan matthews and miami that was one of the most listless soft performances by any defense all year they just were steamrolled by the bills from snap one until the end of the game i mean you just don't see in the nfl a team have passing the ball 12 times because they just didn't they could do whatever they wanted on the ground the entire time. It was an embarrassing game for the Dolphins' defense. These offenses are kind of mirror images. You've got Laser comes from the Chip Kelly offense running the Dolphins. They both have burgeoning rushing attacks. Lamar Miller's been on fire. Jay Ajayi looked really good and, and could add a power element. The Eagles' rushing attack has been on fire as well. And then I think Bradford and Tannehill are back-to-back in the low 20s on Greg's quarterback ranks. And they're both playing a little better recently. Even Tannehill played fine Man, last I, week, but it's not going to get you excited. Yeah, I mean, out of everybody on your quarterback's list, I bet he's the only $100 million quarterback in that tier. I want to see how the Dolphins run the ball in this game because they're you're right, they're a mirror of the Eagles. And the Eagles' defense, 204 yards led up two weeks ago, 134 last week. Typically really good front seven, but it's not been the same the past couple games. We all took the Eagles to take care of business and move to five and four. Uh, next up, the Cleveland Browns, who are uh, at two and seven, uh, another lost season in Cleveland. They now travel to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. And, you know, there was uh, the belief, the general belief 
as of uh, us going upstairs was that Landry Jones is going to be the starter in this game. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger is making a push to get on the field on Sunday. He's out of his walking boot. Uh, his plan was to practice on Thursday. Officially limited. Limited in practice on Thursday. And when he was asked before practice about his chances of playing on Sunday, he said, quote, I hope so. That's how he said it, too. So we <laughs> might see Big Ben in this game. Uh, Mark, would it make a difference? Do you think the Browns could pull off the upset on the road if Big Ben's not in the picture, or is this a Steelers win either way? I think it's a huge difference for any team facing the Steelers if Big Ben is replaced by anyone else at quarterback. But I'm not sure it matters as much with this Browns defense because they've really not stopped anyone since beating the Titans in Week 2. Mm. That's the only time we've seen a pass rush from this defense. The players that were playing well last year are not playing well this year, which is a bad sign for this coaching staff. The, I like would who? not be like who do you mean? Kruger, yeah, Mingo, who was not great last year, but, but but Kruger, for instance, was their number one pass rusher, and they have him dropping. It's the same thing we see in Buffalo. Joe Hayden. Hayden has been hurt, but Hayden has not also given up almost a perfect quarterback rating on throws in his direction. This year. I don't think he came into the year healthy. Bottom line, I I have to wonder because it just sounds everything that you read coming out of Cleveland is that this game means a lot to Jimmy Haslam. He is the former minority owner in the Steelers organization, and you've got a coaching staff and a front office that are completely at odds. Every report coming out of there hints at total toxicity. I was going to say, Jim, if you, if you want to have these big games and have these big special uh, feely, happy-go-feely moments, <laughs> you got to put a good team on the field if you want good results. Like, well, and you need unity between your, yeah, you your gotta, the players, the people who pick the players and your coaches, and that's not happening. The whole thing I wonder if this up. is the end for Patton if they don't win this. I really do. Right, so there's a bye week next week. That, that's what I was going to ask. You think that there could be some sort of movement either with Patton or Ray Farmer? I, I think that week. Farmer's winning, and this is strange, but I, I just get the sense that Farmer's winning the – the tug of war inside the building with certain people. That's crazy to me because they were seven and four last year. It's only Petten's second season to to dump him in the middle of his second season. Seems oh, crazy. I I think it's a bad idea, but I could see it happening. And part of the problem is they were they're refusing to play the young players, and I think there's a, a just a divide, and that's the exact opposite of what the Steelers are. No matter all the chaos that's happened to them this year, look where they are. I mean, Mike Tomlin deserves a nod for, you know, he's not always been the best coach, but to get them to this place is a remarkable effort on their part. Uh, we have the Steelers across the board in that one. Moving on, the Chicago Bears um, travel to the Edward James almost dome. And I hope, by the way, I God, I hope that they've covered the concrete. Uh, at the Edward James Almost Dome now because they had a couple weeks to figure it out. Reggie Bush, there's reports that he's filing a, a mega lawsuit against the city of St. Louis after slipping on that concrete. That's the biggest storyline mm. for me, concrete gate. Uh, but as far as the game goes, you have the St. Louis Rams who uh, are sitting at 4-4. Four and four. You know, they got to start. We talked about it uh, last week, I believe. Uh, they got to start stacking some wins up. And uh, the Bears, they're coming off that win over San Diego on Monday night, so a short week. St. Louis at home. They're the superior team. Damn it, Greg. Take care of business, Rams. Win some games. Let's go. Yeah, they should. And they won't win by much because the style that they play just doesn't uh, allow them to do so. We've talked Jay Cutler is playing pretty well. You know, Robert, you know, people just look past last week. Robert Quinn and Chris Long weren't on the field. I mean, that's that's a big, big difference for a Rams defense that's still playing pretty well. Uh, I do think they will take care of business, but I'm not allowed to pick or else I have to put the sack. Back. And I am, just so everyone knows, I am getting 
a lot of tweets, people snitching on Greg, saying that he's picking games on oh, that other podcast. I, I don't care. I, you don't need to snitch on that. Uh, I'm not, that's it. I just want a, a little announcement. Stop telling me that Greg's picking games on his other podcast. I'm not picking all the games. It's a, <laughs> it's a bit of a bit one time for a couple games. It sounds funny. I mean, you do it with a, a world-renowned comedian. I'm sure it's a hilarious <laughs> show. So there would be bits of plenty. It's a bit that we had on this show. Wasn't that a candy from the 80s? Good and plenty. Bit of plenty? (laughs) (laughs) Honey bunches of bits? Speaking of bits, Mark, you, without getting into specifics, there's uh, over on the old NFL Now mothership, somebody stealing some bits from this podcast on there too, huh? Wow, taking out a lot of personal issues right now. Well, I mean, we see the fingerprints all over the place. Hmm. I don't even know. Am I supposed to get into it? No, no, no. No, No, I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely correct. Do you want to talk about this game at all? Sure. Well, Alshon Jeffrey has a quad injury, did not practice Thursday, and I, I don't think the Bears have a chance if he doesn't play. When your whole offense, when your whole passing attack is throwing off your back foot to one player, how can you oh, move the oh, ball? stop it. You love picking these one little things that happen out. When when he hit literally like five third and longs that were normal throws in, in, those, in the last Guy, drives of that game. That Zach Miller happened. bails him out one time, and oh, now he's was, a great quarterback. That was a first down, out. That was a first down play, which was an absolutely great play by Zach Miller. But if he doesn't catch that, they're still in great position well, to win that Well, it's a great game. position for Cutler to throw his usual pick six on the you know, next play. It's, it, it really differs <laughs> from quarterback to quarterback because another quarterback would get credit for, hey, I know Alshon Jeffries better than everybody else on the field. I'm going to give him chances to go get the ball. But with Jay Cutler, it's like he's getting lucky throwing yeah. his back. Why has Jay Cutler earned? any of this well the only thing i don't like is that everyone is going crazy giving adam gase a crazy amount of credit wow he's done such a great job for (laughs) jay cutler people are going to be lining up no this is the jay cutler we've seen forever people just change whether they like him or not based on the narrative and expectations and the fact that adam gase is friendly with every reporter give me a break on that it's november (laughs) so gase gets to be the hottest coaching candidate until interview time comes and nobody wants it Uh, (laughs) or he decides he doesn't want it or by the way, Jeff Fisher, you're a total scoundrel for running the ball on third and 10 last week. I didn't notice till I rewatched this game. Third and 10 with a minute 55 to go to set up, I think it was like a 50-yard field goal to tie the game. You're not even trying to throw on third and 10 with 155? Don't you have a better chance of a 10-yard game with Todd Gurley than you do with Nick Foles? They might agree with you, but Rams reporters were going absolutely crazy on Fisher about that exact oh, really? issue. Okay, well, that the good. third down issues in St. Louis have been a disaster all season. Nick What's Foles, by the way, I don't know who throws the ball 55, 60 yards in the air easier than Nick Foles sometimes. He's got a, he's got a big hose. They should use it. Excuse me? <laughs> Squeeze? Uh, phrasing. It just lands, you know, 7 to 10 yards away from the receiver. <laughs> Nick Foles averaging 6.7 in attempt, and Todd Gurley only averaging 5.6 per attempt. So it's, it's a little above. Well, pretty close. Last week's game especially, they were Gurley struggling to pop off some big ones. Uh, we all took the Rams huh. in this showdown. Too much confidence in St. Louis. I agree. Uh, moving on, the Dallas Cowboys have now lost six in a row. Will that streak come to an end on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? This game being played at... Wes? Raymond James Stadium. Got it. Wes has really been (laughs) studying up his stadium name. I've been to Raymond James Stadium. Really? Yes. Why? Where? Uh, When I first moved to Tybee, I met a bunch of Cincinnati friends, like 30 guys down there. I drove down to Tampa. Did you go on the ship? No. You moved to Tybee and meet 30 guys. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Chris Sims era bucks or what? 
I don't recall. It, it was a Bengals game. I remember Hoosh Manzada was still playing for the Bengals because I was actually wearing yeah, mid two thousand jersey. Gruden, maybe Gruden was on the Yeah, scene. Gruden would have been Gruden's quarterback of the year. He changed one he had a new one every year. Was there were there any women in this group? No, it was an all guys trip. Bro out. It was like all the guys I played softball with way back when. Do you travel in like a with thirty guys in a bus? Is it a various cars? I drove my car from Tybee to Tampa. They came down in a cruiser of some type. I don't know. Oh wow! You could smell the farts from here in that cruiser. <laughs> Just guys are gassy. You guys have never out. gone on a guys trip anywhere. No, I never went to Vegas. That, never did anything. Well, no, well, we, well, we all had a crew that big. That's that that was seems daunting. I'm impressed. I think we're I think it was a bachelor party of some type. I don't know. Um, yeah, in your common man credentials. What's that? Once again, proving your uh, common man. I don't have to prove mine. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I've paid union dues before. This has been a big debate uh, in the office all week because Greg tried to uh, put me at the bottom <laughs> of the common man. Uh, common man power rankings. Power rankings, which was a ludicrous thought, and put him above anyone. No, I, did. I I put myself fifth and you were sixth. I know, now exactly. You know, the guy that drove oh. a strawberry truck and gave tennis <laughs> lessons on Martha's Vineyard. Is ahead of it's me. a debate for the two of you and nobody else. I worked. I worked when I was fourteen years old as a dishwasher forever, nonstop. You, you know, you're off uh, counting your. What are you? What are you doing? I was Rocking a cashier at Shoprite in Pearl River, New York, getting fired because I couldn't. I like that you make a long haul <laughs> driving job somehow cushy. Well, what were waking you waking up at five in the morning what? and driving for fifty? What hours. were you delivering? Strawberries. Thank, yeah, thank you. I rest Strawberry my case. Bed. I had the, the same job as you. There you go. At Shopper. a grocery store, I, w- I was the guy that had to take the carts from the the gigantic parking lot and Cart put them corral. in stacks outside. And <laughs> see, that stuff worked. And not to get off topic too far, well, but you talked with your wife uh, about <laughs> well, this, this very topic part. last night. I, this what is, did she have to say? Well, she had an interesting Skip Bayless-like uh, contrarian <laughs> take where she actually ranked Dan number one. Thank you. And uh, I was number two. But among Does she just understand the, two the of concept you? of the common no, the whole group. The whole group. Wait, well, that is utter nonsense. Um, well, I think I think Mark was last. I mean. Oh. Well, then that that she is. She wasn't just, the only one to have. That I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> it's just that she's basically just saying that you're not the most common man person. She's taking yeah, anyone she, had, she can to put above you. No, she said Dan was number one. <laughs> That's what say. I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think she understands the concept. Something mi- a chip having, is a chip is missing she here. She thought being a you know family man that was part of it. Yeah. That that was that was a big. She's a smart woman. That's why you married her. <laughs> well, that is a, that <laughs> it was smart. a disastrous. I got a text at like 10:30 at <laughs> we'll night. We'll unpack this. A later. disastrous text. <laughs> a smart, charismatic, beautiful woman. <laughs> I love how much debate there is on this thing. It's Uh, hilarious. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Wes, you'll like this. Darren McFadden has been enjoying a career resurgence in Dallas. His last three games resembled DeMarco Murray's production last year. Murray averaged 24.5 carries, 115 yards per game rushing, and 4.7 yards per carry. McFadden is averaging 25 carries, 111 yards rushing, and 4.4 yards, 4. yards per carry over his last three games. He's DeMarco Murray now. What a valuable nugget. You use that research <laughs> package so well. And if I'm, I'm hearing you correctly, you're basically saying that Darren McFadden is Offensive Player of the Year material right oh now. Oh, my God. Here's what. This, what? No, DeMarco Murray won Offensive Player of the Year. For, McFadden's for, at that for level. one three-game stretch where they didn't win a yeah, game. Yeah, he's got to put it together that's more the, than that. That's the level he's playing at this right now. This is the only thing that He's Man. carrying this Cowboys team to six straight losses. This this is all that <laughs> angers me, Wes, and you'll agree with me on this because I know where you stand on the Cowboys, is that if McFadden finishes out the year like this, that means the Cowboys are right with all that patting themselves on the back in the offseason that they could let Murray go and find someone else to plug in. I don't want that to happen. 
It also means I was right because I said all offseason that McFadden could just if, be plugged if in. If ever there was a time for Wes's drop, it's right there. <laughs> it's about me. Thank you. <laughs> Mark. Well, yeah, their running game certainly hasn't been the problem this year, even with Randall. Mark? What? Why are you pointing to me? <laughs> Mark's in a cough medicine coma right now. I Listen, I really <clears throat> I'm enjoying listening to this debate that is waged on for seven months about two running backs that are completely average. <laughs> uh, Except for the one on there. a I get McFadden's the year. I get that he's playing well, but both uh, the old Zeuser and the Renegade Connor Orr have picked the Cowboys to win. Cowboys Starting with gonna... the Devil again, huh? Yeah. Well, this is it. the last uh, Tony Romo game. This this sneakily might be like the biggest game. Like if they can win one game without Tony Romo, and you think they would have a chance against the Bucks. Then it sets up for a possible run, at least with Romo. Yeah, right. You get to two and seven. I I, I agreed to fork the Cowboys. Uh, it was a political move, uh, mostly because I think they're absolutely in the mix if they just can take out one team before Romo gets back. But time's running out now. Moving on, the Carolina Panthers are undefeated, as you may have heard, and you may have heard someone say Cam Newton MVP candidate. Yeah, of course he is. But I bring it up all the time. What are people trying to get at, Greg? We get it. He's one of the candidates to be an MVP. There's it's only one candidate. It's not a yeah. It's not a an yeah, award where you, place. where you vote for more than one player. So that's the thing. If there was a vote right it's now, Tom Brady. Tom Brady might be unanimous. Might exactly. be fifty for fifty. Mm. And old Mike Dobbsy, who had his banner stolen by Cam Newton, <laughs> he exited the news cycle. Nowhere to be seen. It's not right. Speaking of karma, they head to Nashville to face the Tennessee Titans, uh, a matchup between Cam Newton and Marcus Mariota, who. I believe I saw an Elias uh, research note, uh, no Alanis for this, this is Elias, not the NFL media group, uh, that Mariota became the first rookie ever to have two games of four touchdowns and no interceptions that in is season. That is correct. That's uh, also in our NFL notes. Is it? Yes. Okay, well, let's hold off on the song anyway. Um, so Mariota has been a gem, obviously. Now he's got to put it together and be a little more consistent. Yeah, he hasn't put two good, two really great games together in a row. I mean, I, it makes me excited to watch this team again, seeing what he did last week. This could be the best one o'clock game out there, sneakily. Mm. I think it could. I think there there could be a lot of big upsets this week, and this this certainly. Could wow! Be. So if I hear you correctly, you are predicting the Titans to beat the Panthers. I think the Titans and the Chiefs are both the two big upsets. I took this week that I like. We'll get to that later. I think it's just with with Tennessee how different they are with Mariota on the field that how what better way to advertise his value to this franchise that Mike Malarkey looked like a good coach last week down the stretch. I mean, well, once upon a time, Dan Campbell looked good, too. He's got to give these things a couple of weeks. To well, I would take Mariota over Ryan Tannehill in a New York minute. Really? Yeah, I would, too. Hmm. Yeah, well, I would, too. You know what? We could be wrong about these things because we'd say this about – a lot of quarterbacks two or three years as in. Wrong as we were about Derek Carr. Don't pull back the curtain. Mark. But I, but with Mariota, to me, I just from watching him, he's so fun to watch. That you're right about the potential upset because it, we just don't know what the ceiling is with him on the field yet. He's not played enough. Of course, that was against New Orleans. Yeah, and this is one of the best defenses in the league. Certainly one of the best secondary. So if he can, he can look good in this game. That that really shows you something. Yeah, I think it's. I I can't pick the the Titans to win this game just because the Panthers are so much of a stronger team. Like you said, it's night and day going from the Saints to the Panthers. The Saints right now are one of the worst defenses in NFL history. 
you, I mean, because what? One of these narratives was, oh, Malarkey came in and he just fixed that offensive line, a lot of patches, and look at no sacks. Well, you played a team that doesn't really get at the quarterback. You're gonna, if you can get out of the Carolina game with one or two sacks, that's realistic. Then we do know the line is playing differently. He did do some legitimate things in terms of his lineup, like playing Doriel Green Beckham. And that looked pretty led good. The, well, why led not? the team in yeah. targets for the first time nice all year. to see him on well. the field, and he's going to be a factor. He'll only run about 50% of his routes correctly, but that's <laughs> – But <laughs> well, at least he'll make David plays. Cobb back in the lineup this we week, do. too. Yes, I was about to say. Is he took, still fat David Cobb, or is he back to normal David I like Cobb. Uh, we took the Panthers across the board in this game, yes, and it was a good news, bad news situation for the Around the NFL podcast this week as David Cobb was activated off uh, IR Boomerang, but to make room. For David Cobb, we had to say goodbye in Nashville to Clipboard Jesus, Charlie Whitehurst, whose run as the charismatic backup quarterback in the, for the Titans has come to an end after several years. A man that was named to one of the hottest bachelors in uh, Nashville a few years ago in a magazine. Uh, no longer can that be accurate. because Nashville Lifestyles. Nashville Lifestyles magazine. And now he'll have to move the ladies in Indianapolis, claimed on waivers on Thursday. He'll be directly backing up Hasselbeck, 40 years old. Clipboard Charlie could see some Mm. time soon. Plus, he'll always, those sweet licks that he laid down on the glycerine track, Mm. that's always going to be alive. Yeah, we, the reason, if if you're a new listener, because that wouldn't make any sense, I just realized. (laughs) Um, Charlie Whitehurst, I always thought he was a guy that had so much time and was a laid-back dude that he probably is learning how to play acoustic guitar. And the first song he probably learned was Glycerine because it's an easy song to learn by Bush. (laughs) And then we read, like, a few weeks later that he was, in fact, learning how to play the acoustic guitar. I don't know about the Bush thing, but we should try to get him on the podcast. He takes a lot of flack. He has figured out he may be one of the smartest people in the NFL. You want to be a good quarterback but not too good? Drafted in 2006, doesn't register a stat (laughs) until 2010, and continues. He was not on the breadline for more than 24 hours. An interesting right. Window. He will work for the. He cannot be killed. He'll work for the next five years. He's made millions of dollars and pretty much critique free. We know he stinks, but it doesn't matter. He keeps getting work. But you know who also will be playing for the next five or six years? Like Aaron Rodgers and Philip Rivers. And yeah, with all this pressure make, on these them. guys. Yeah, but so this is an interesting window into to the Sessler mind that you would rather be Charlie Whitehurst. Than Philip Rivers. Well, it's interesting into the mind of Greg Rosenthal putting words in someone's mouth. They would never <laughs> want to be Charlie Whitehurst. I'm just he said saying. He's the one of the I'm smartest. saying for someone that probably recognizes that he's not a premier quarterback, he has carved out a perfect niche, and a lot of backup quarterbacks do well for themselves. Isn't this a double standard you have with Charlie Whitehurst and Matt Flynn? Mm. Ooh. Ooh, that's hitting it where it hurts. Matt Flynn bothered me for one specific reason. And it was even earlier this summer when people were saying, and I'm not going to say who it was, someone in NFL media crowing about how they take Matt Flynn over Mark Sanchez or anyone else. And it's like Matt Flynn's arm has not been healthy for half a decade and he keeps getting paid. Charlie Whitehurst, he just doesn't have a good arm. It's not because he's not healthy. He's, he knows what his limit is. I don't know the, the logic know. is a little shaky there. It, but is, it is a tad <laughs> shaky, but both of these guys get paid way I, more than they're worth, and that's to them, to their credit. Maybe. I see I your know. point. Nobody is propping up Charlie Whitehurst as some kind of 
new generation, great backup quarterback like they are with Matt Flynn. Who's even they? Matt Flynn One random guy downstairs. No, there are a lot of people that every time Matt Flynn's name come up, people act like he's still a great quarterback. I know exactly who you're talking about. I don't want to say his name. Right. But acted like he was. 2011 you're talking about? Who's this talking was about like, Matt a, Flynn? It's like early in the season. This, was. this guy who works for NFL media was acting like he's a great backup what a fool, quarterback. whoever you are. Hmm. Super Bowl champion, I believe. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot of people that have that. That doesn't narrow it down. That's, that's a prerequisite that's to enough. work at NFL media. <laughs> Got anything, any other hints? Who's the big Matt Flynn supporter in this? He's tall. He's tall. Oh, I know who it is probably. Next topic. <laughs> All right. Moving on, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, coming off a bad loss, now travel to Washington to uh, face the Redskins. So it's a four and five Saints team. They need this win. They need uh, to stay in that mi- the mix, the playoff mix. The Redskins. I don't know. I think they stink. Uh, really, they're just playing for you know that old Washington pride, if you will. Not really. Though. I mean, they're, they're only a- one game back. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're a the game lost back. column. But if you want to look at it that way, yeah, sure. Go ahead, Greg. Get excited about the Redskins. Go ahead. No, I'm not excited at all. They're getting what they deserved. And uh, this is this is not a big game, but it's a big game to these two teams because the winner of it can still convince themselves and still feel like they're really in the mix, whereas the loser of this game is really far back at this point and hard to really imagine making any sort of run. Well, I think what Wes and I liked about the Redskins earlier in the year, their first four games, they ran for – about 155, 160 yards a game and looked much tougher than anyone expected and also on defense. Last four games, they're averaging under 50 yards rushing and that's putting more pressure on Kirk Cousins and the offense is just sort of crumbling and your so-called playmakers are not living up to the promise. You're referring to the version of the Redskins before Matt Jones went off to live in the woods somewhere. like in a Sure, when it seemed like they had two serviceable backs, an exciting offense, and Kirk Cousins just needed to do just enough and now everything's gone south. We did a hit uh, on NFL Network where we debated whether Matt Jones was going to be Rookie of the Year, and we, we were pretty optimistic about that possibility. I burned the tape. Maybe yeah. that's why he took us off NFL Network. <laughs> yeah, he might be back in the race after this matchup. Ooh, I like that. Matt Jones comeback right here? Well, I'd, anybody in the Redskins could get healthy in this game. I mean, the Saints are just – that's a sieve. Did you guys see that uh, Deshaun Jackson gave uh, Jay Gruden a purple nurple? In Redskins practice. That was one of my favorite moments of the season. An old uh, twister. Can you imagine, like, uh, Ray Nitschke coming up and doing that to Vince Lombardi? <laughs> no. <laughs> Somebody downstairs, it might have been U.S., said, what if uh, uh, Gronk did that to uh, Bill Belichick? And I said, well, Bill Belichick's nipple would be ripped off. <laughs> it <laughs> may, it a, may have happened by now. Imagine a, an old nipple pinch from the Gronk. Wouldn't be fun. No. So if Wes is right and this happens... I don't like to go down this road, but this could be the end of Rob Ryan. They have a bye week after this game, and this guy feels like he's about on the thinnest ice around. Right. Sean Payton this week made the analogy, if your student gets a D on a test, at some point you got to say, did you do a good enough job teaching the subject matter? It's a lot like your children. If you see them at the grocery, you see the same kid at the grocery acting up five times, at some point you got to start looking at the parent. And I'm well, that's thinking, my kids. I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking he's talking about Rob Ryan, of course. But he really should be thinking, I'm the teacher. You know, I'm the parent. I keep hiring these defensive coordinators that have no idea how to fix things. I keep, you know, blaming my defensive coordinator. Spagnolo has the worst one in NFL history. Rob oh, Ryan has the worst one in NFL history. And now, you know, what's the commonality? It's Sean Payton. 
That's fair. Let's throw in Greg Williams, who gets you a franchise into a turmoil that goes, you know, goes ah. takes you down for three. Also, seasons. got you one of those rings. They would take that that trade. Sure. Uh, I was the only one in the group to take the Saints in this game. Wow. So we'll see what happens. Fan consensus went Saints. That's always nice. You get a hero pick on the fan consensus. Yes, and it's also another hint to common man regular Joe status. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, moving That's on. Your strongest. Advocacy right there. You and the fans are on the same page. And your first. Picks. Uh, moving on the uh, to the late games, the Minnesota Vikings are 6-2, and two, and it could be debated if they are a, uh, a good team. Well, they're a good team. I don't know if anybody's going to not debate that, but are they really a, a true 6-2 and two team that would be considered a great team? Who knows? They have a nice test, though, on, uh, on Sunday against the Oakland Raiders. This game will be played at the Black Hole, and uh, – to me, this is one of the games of the week because it's two teams where we're still trying to figure out who they are. Are they uh, teams that are ready to make the leap or are they not ready? I got a feeling one of these teams is going to make a big statement on Sunday. What about you, Wes? Yeah, I, I can't think of a player we were more wrong about than Derek Carr. And when I watch him and, and he's got everything. Last year he couldn't move the offense. Now he's got touch. He's got a cannon arm. He can move in the pocket. He can throw on the run. He can throw from the pocket. He can make every throw on the field and makes guys like Michael Crabtree better. Crabtree's played awesome this year. You know what the lesson is? And it's not just to us, but to everyone, is to let a rookie be a rookie. This yeah. thing, it's a long game with these quarterbacks, and he's shown really major growth in year two. At, when I wrote uh, a piece over the offseason redrafting the quarterbacks from this class, I had Bridgewater number one by a long shot. That was very conventional wisdom. Bucky Brooks did a redraft of the entire 2014 draft, put Bridgewater number one. I had Carr way back. I was way wrong on Carr and had him very low at quarterback. And you're right for all those reasons. Car crash. But it's also and then at this point, though, but at this point, he is so far ahead of Bridgewater and Bortles is what I, was, I wanted to say. But it's also a lesson that scouts and coaches – have their jobs for a reason because they were almost unanimous in thinking that Carr was the best rookie of all those guys. I think it's just you're not wrong to have looked at Carr unfavorably after last season based on that season. But when we write these guys off and just say it's done. Well, no one said that. Well, but there is, I'm not saying we did, but there is a lot of that in general. For players that are you know in their first, second, third season that if they haven't produced, and a lot of times it's on teams with a lot of chaos going on, that – they're done. They have no value. And then they're proven wrong. It's like maybe these players deserve a little bit longer of a leash than this. I, I think Bill Musgrave is doing a great job. I mean, he's seeing a lot Which of is surprising. Open. He's having open receivers. I mean, he's finding open receivers. He's very calm in the pocket, and he goes to his secondary receivers. And the offensive line, which played really well for him last year, I thought that was one of the reasons why I was down on cars because people people were wrong about his protection. He yes. got protected very well last year. He's He doesn't get sacked. He's in the top five in the NFL since he entered the league in the fewest amount of sacks per snap and the fewest amount of interceptions. So that's what a veteran does. Is the, the, this game is interesting because obviously Oakland's offense has is fun to watch and it's not been the case in a decade. But Minnesota's defense has flown under the radar as well. And, you know, it's a team that we, that we look at what they've done, 6-2, and two, and it's quick to write them off. But if they're going to hang around, I think it's going to be because of their defense. There's no question they have a much better defense than the Raiders, who just gave up their most points in franchise history at Pittsburgh. And then with the Vikings, you've got Harrison Smith, Lynn Joe, Linval Joseph, who's Lin Joe. one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. And Anthony Barr. So you've got some really good young talent in Minnesota. Linval Joseph's coming off one of the best games any players had at any position all season. 
he, he looked like with, like a man was, compared to small children. It was an unbelievable game. performance. Uh, we all took the Raiders except for Connor Orr, the Renegade, went with the Vikings. Hmm. Um, so we'll see how that plays and out. And it does look like Teddy Bridgewater, who has not been, I would say, playing his best this year, has not kept up the momentum from the end of last season. It does look like he's going to play despite having been concussed last week. Oh, the, the, did you see the Mike Zimmer NFL Films video? Yes. Uh, he had one of my favorite quotes. Uh, I won't um, I won't be able to say it because I don't want to make Sydney do any more extra work today. Uh, <laughs> but his quote was, because I'm going to use it in the end around, which you could read on Friday morning, everybody. NFL.com slash end around. There you go. Uh, <laughs> his quote was, F you, F me. He screamed after he first saw the hit and uh, ran on the field. <laughs> I didn't even know what it meant, but he was like, I love it. He's fired up. That's he's the man. We love that guy. Uh, moving on. The Kansas City Chiefs are three and five. You know, we're talking them up. We're saying they're frisky. They're going to they're going to really give some teams some trouble down the stretch. Well, how about a banged up Denver Broncos team uh, coming off their first loss of the season? Did not uh, play well in the loss to the Colts. Uh, and they will be without a keep to obviously. Uh, their corner, who is suspended because of the eye gouge, will be without Demarcus Ware, who has the lower back injury. That's going to cost him some time. Uh, so this is a team, especially on the def- defensive side of the ball, that is not at its top strength. Uh, do you smell an upset, Greg Rosenthal? I do. I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to win this game. They were playing, re- they were playing really well before the bye. They're, somehow their two best performances of the season on offense came without Jamal Charles in the lineup. And I think the defense we've been talking up really all year, really the last month of the year, I, I would I guess throw away September, but the last month of the year, their defense has been uh, a top five type of defense. Yeah, they were picked on. They had their nickelbacks picked on early, but now that Sean Smith's been back, there hasn't been a real weakness back there. And they get pass rush, and, they, and they've been stopping rushers too, which they didn't earlier in the year. They should have beaten Denver the first time around in Kansas City. They really outplayed them, but they turned the ball over what, four or five times in that game. Uh, so I think this is a very even matchup between similar teams. Weak-armed quarterbacks who move the ball slowly down the field, play, who are both playing a little better lately, and, and really good defenses. I know that people uh, – there was a quick backlash because we I, – I mentioned that I thought this Denver defense could wind up being the next version of the 85 Bears and the – 2000 Ravens and maybe that was premature but I think that last week is going to be viewed more as an aberration than a trend for their for their defense I think they're going to bounce back the 85 Bears had a stretch where they gave up 445 yards 376 and 373 and they had other games where they didn't look so hot that season that's had a lot of the 80s too and there's not right had a lot to do with their playoff push which was utterly dominant and completely collapsing same with the Ravens so I have no problem with a defense getting solved a couple of weeks during the campaign. Denver's defense is heads and tails above other teams, and nothing about the Chiefs' offense tells me <laughs> that they're going to be the team that's going to come do what the Colts did last week. Travis Kelsey, maybe. I like Kelsey. We all do, but, you need, but they've had him all season. Kelsey's been a little bit disappointing this year, especially – he started off really well, and he's having a nice enough season, but this has by no means been the, neck, the taking the leap season where he's heads, heads and shoulders over everyone that's not named Gronk. He's still well, a nice well, player. He's on pace for over 1,000 yards for a tight end. That's a great season. Yeah. 
But is he blowing you away on a week-to-week basis? He's got Alex Smith throwing to him. I think right. I think he's part of it is the product of that offense, which is going to if you put Kelsey on the Patriots, we'd all know who he is. Well, we all do, but other people (laughs) would. All right, moving on. Uh, This is a 4:25 kickoff. The 8-0 New England Patriots. Oh, Greg, another another great feast of the eyeballs on the old throne of ease. They now travel. They got some revenge on the mind because they're traveling to the Meadowlands to face the New York Giants. Who? Here's a little. I don't need the uh, research guide for this, Wes, uh, Wes and Greg and Mark. The last two Super Bowl losses for the Patriots have been to Eli Manning, really? Tom Coughlin, Didn't know that, and the New York Giants. Is that so a stat? That is. That's just history, baby. I think those are the only two people from that 2007 team still on the Giants. Yeah, there's been a lot of turnover. Um, so. Yes, historically, these two teams will always be linked, but the Patriots are a much better team than the Giants, so it's not going to be even a close game, is it, Greg? Look, the Giants will always have me a little spooked as a Patriots fan. They also beat them during the regular season in 2000. Great game. That was a great game. 11. Yeah. I, was think, yeah, I think you're thinking a 2007 game. No, I'm thinking the, the 2011 game. Was it about... It was a mid-season game, 24 Excellent. 20. Yeah, it was a good game. They were both right. You guys love that game so much. Why don't you marry it? <laughs> Uh, this is a game where Jason Pierre-Paul should loom large. If he's uh, a passer, if he's back to being himself even a little bit, they're down to their number four and their number five tackles right now. So you say the throne of ease. They're missing their top three tackles. They're missing Deion Aww. Lewis. They might be missing Jamie Collins. And I think they're vulnerable to a pass rush at this point if, if someone can get one going. Yeah, the Patriots are missing all of that stuff, and the Giants are missing pass rushers. I think <laughs> if you talk to the Giants, they'll say they were happy with the, what they saw from JPP, and the fact that he played so much tells you a lot. I guess it's going to be – this would be, like you're saying, it's a good test. If he if he is a mismatch physically against some of these Patriots linesmen, let's see if he can still play with basically one hand. I think he looked as good at the end of the game as he did at the beginning, although nothing was super special about him, but who was asking that in his first game back. For me, the th- what I want to watch is because after the – Deion Lewis, the role that he played, they've got James White and, you know, McDaniels, Josh McDaniels said this week he's prepared. We've prepared him for this. Like, he's still going to be – we're going to still use that role as a big part of our offense. I need to see it first because nothing that I've ever seen from James White suggests that he's even one-eighth of Deion Lewis. Well, De- they already had a game like this earlier this season. Deion Lewis missed the game against the Jets, I believe it was. That was the And game. James White – had that role and he didn't impress. He didn't do a lot. Book it though. James White will have a touchdown in this game. Just watch. They'll think and they'll eight receptions. Away. He had a touchdown and yeah. I don't didn't think work last week too. I don't think the defense that gave up seven touchdowns to Drew Brees is going to be the one to hold the Patriots under thirty mm. yards. I'm going to throw this out there. I got the. <laughs> I had a Sessler on this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to throw it out there again, Wes. Odell Beckham. No spoilers, Wes. ODB is going to go nuts again and make this a game. I agree. Patriots are way better than the Giants. But one of the great things about Beckham, uh, you know, it's a little too much with the off the field stuff. And, you know, the Wall Street uh, Journal profile this week that he's doing everything lefty off the off the field to become more ambidextrous. Cute, buddy. But, you know, just get enough is enough. enough. But I will say this. One thing I do love about him as a player is he does seem to rise uh, and get better when the spotlight is brighter, and this will be a game against the mighty Patriots where I expect him to thrive. Let's say 171, seven catches, and two touchdowns. 
I'll go like 10 catches for 170, two touchdowns. <laughs> he made one note, though. He said that of all the teams that they play, that when you go watch all the film on New England's defense, that with other teams it prepares you for what you're going to see on the field. And that with New England, no idea. That they're going to find a way to play him in a way that he's got no evidence of going right. into the game. That would be the counterpoint to Dan and me, that Bill Belichick specializes in taking away the one thing an offense does well. Perhaps. What are you going to do to stop him? I was Malcolm say, Butler and Devin McCourty, maybe. All yeah. game. All right, you Who else is going to... Beat us with the other guys. Where's Victor yeah. Cruz? I don't think Will Ty is going to beat you. Well, one way to stop them is to get up 30 to nothing, and it doesn't matter what Odell Beckham does in garbage time. I think this is going to be a close game. I was thinking I, about that's when Beckham's stats are coming in garbage time. It's a no-win game, really, for the Patriots. Except for your Except for the victory they're going to have You would after. hate to lose <laughs> to the Giants. Well, but it doesn't. it's going to feel empty. It's not going to change anything well, about 2011. Oh, well. Oh, well, I love the concept of 9-0 and feeling empty. When we get there, Dan and I as Jets and Browns fans will let you know how it feels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we all pick the Giants. Now, next, just kidding. Just make sure you guys are on your toes. We all pick the Patriots. Moving on, the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks, one of the best Sunday night games of the year. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth with the call on NBC. You got uh, Miss Blondie, what's her name, singing the uh, intro song. Oh, what's her uh, faith? Hill? No, 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 no. Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood, thank like you. The same Miss person. Blondie. You were the one leading the Carrie Underwood uh, bandwagon a couple years ago. That is surprising. You and were you, one of the few people that enjoyed right. that. You, that you've been defending I enjoy her. her listless performances um, and her awkward, her, fault. her awkward dancing. They need to get rid of the uh, waiting all day for Sunday night song. They got to scrap. Couldn't agree more. There's a reason why the Monday, you know, just to get a sidetracked a little bit here. There's a reason why the Monday Night Football with Hank Williams Jr., it did well. is because people liked the song on some level, at least a segment of the population, and it, it had some legs culturally. No one likes the waiting all day for Sunday Night song. So just scrap it and get another song. Right. If you're maybe fa- maybe uh, Carrie Underwood will benefit from it. It's the same reason why Priyanka's song, Come to My City, <laughs> was such a big hit and that people loved it on NFL Network. Cause just the You're song, literally the only person that even remembered the name I the love song. that song. Priyanka in my city was terrific. I liked it. We were on board with Priyanka before anyone else. Now she has like a hit show on ABC. Um, and she's also the biggest Bollywood star on the planet, I believe. But we were ahead of it. Yeah, it's done our, nothing for us. Our old producer, K. Rich, uh, spent like multiple man hours trying to set up a uh, interview with her with us. But... <laughs> Didn't happen. Anyway, so here is the game of the a- NFC West uh, really on the line because if the if the Seahawks don't hold court at home here and um, it's over and the Cardinals move to seven and two goodbye division unless uh, there's some type of uh, Carson Palmer calamity around the corner. Uh, and also, if the Cardinals win this game in Seattle, that is Mark Sessler, a statement uh, by the Cardinals, who we already know are a very, very good team. They knock off a desperate Seattle team and they're great. I think it's very possible, and I, I'd give a lot of credit to Steve Kime, the general manager, because Kimo. last year at this time, after eight games, you were up on the Seahawks by two games. But the stretch run had no Carson Palmer, and they couldn't run the ball. Their offense completely went into the trash. This year, look how different it is. Carson Palmer's back, playing the best football of his life, and you are a, you are a three-pronged run attack that can hit teams and defenses in a different way. This team is built to go to the end of the season. This had, Forget what happened last year when Seattle beat them twice. 
They're going to split with them, I guarantee that, and it may come with a win right here on Sunday. Carson Palmer said Thursday that the Cardinals are ten times better than they were the last time they went into Seattle. Well, that's not true. But well, it I, is I on offense. Are. Well, because no, like t- literally ten times better? Yes. That would be basically robots from the future that are unable to make a mistake. Drastically better. Can I introduce you to Ryan Lindley's work? <laughs> How about you know one and a half times better, two times All right, go ahead. Well, look at look at this matchup. Where the Seahawks have the advantage in, in one place, pass rush. Other than that, the Cardinals are better at everything. Shot at the Legion of Boom. Well, look, they have great names, and they've played pretty well, but the Cardinals' secondary has been better this year. Patrick Peterson has outplayed Richard Sherman, and Tyron Matthew has outplayed Earl uh, Thomas. To I, I do think the Cardinals' secondary is the best in the league right now. If, if you had to rank them, they would be number one. To your point about uh, the skill all over the field for Arizona – and particularly their skill positions on offense. In NFL history, there has never been a team with a QB, RB, WR trio. That's a triplet. All over the age of 30 to amass 4,000 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards, and 1,000 receiving yards. Carson Palmer, Larry Fitz, and Chris Johnson on pace for 1,300 yards, all ready to do that potentially. He lost me at R2D2, C3. <laughs> That's a triplet. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Oh, okay. You say that the Cardinals have the advantage everywhere, including, I, I would assume, the running game, which is amazing to think about. I mean, that's the thing I'm looking at from the Seahawks, that Marshawn Lynch went into the bye, still not quite getting it done. I think he's looked okay, but it's the line. It's just the whole team. They couldn't run the ball at all against Dallas. That was a disappointing performance, I thought, especially offensively. Russell Wilson didn't really have one of his best games, made some bad decisions like I, I would agree that the Cardinals do have the edge for the most part, and I would include that at quarterback. Even though Russell Wilson, I think, is having a better season this year than a year ago, you really can't compare what he's doing to what Carson Palmer's been doing. Carson Palmer's having a better season than Cam Newton, and nobody talks about Carson Palmer not being an MVP. Good game. point. He's, that not, is he's number two on the old QB index, but Carson that is Palmer. That's a big Why honor. Carson Palmer right, is as legit an MVP candidate as – Outside of Tom Brady, any quarterback in the league. He right doesn't now. fit people's agenda, though, so he doesn't get thrown. And that's, that well, I think the, they would argue that he has a ton of weapons and a lot of help around him, and that's the difference between him and Cam Newton. If, if you were going to It was also true Cam of Aaron Rodgers a year ago. and With Newton, sure, but Newton's numbers aren't MVP numbers. What he's done with the team are. Yeah. We uh, had a split on this game. Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling have taken the Cardinals – the old Zeuser, Connor Orr, and Kevin Patra, all with the Seahawks. Who's gonna Who's gonna cover Jimmy Graham in this game? The old Zeuser is an apostate. They talked about <laughs> just Ooh, leaving the team of ATL. That's a good point. <laughs> Kevin Minter basically said on is that a rule? Jimmy Graham just well, pray. We won't Dion Buchanan cover him? He basically plays that safety he line. He plays linebacker. Well, they, I don't know. Maybe it's Tyron Matthew because Jimmy Graham. That was one thing that the Seahawks had going before the bye was Jimmy Graham was finally a big part of the offense. Deion Buchanan is playing a new position. It's called moneybacker. It's a dollar sign in front of LB on their depth chart. <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> I know. I want to play moneybacker. He should be a rapper named. That's something with OW, offensive weapon. Hope it works <laughs> better, better than that. Uh, finally, the Monday night football game. Uh, this should be a very one-sided affair, but you should watch it anyway. If you're a real football fan, yeah, there's a challenge. The 3-5 and five Houston Texans traveling to Cincinnati to face the undefeated Bengals at 8-0. and oh. uh, So, yeah, unless you really think of Brian Hoyer uh, is going to shock the world, uh, he's been playing pretty well this season. But the Bengals are uh, really have hit their stride. They are playing great football, 
and they're beating everybody, so why would this be a game? Wes? Look at the beautiful city of Cincinnati in back-to-back weeks getting national love, national television, hosting this game. What a revitalized area downtown Cincinnati. Good for them that they get everybody coming in there. They'll have all the lights up. It'll yeah. be a good show, no one and they'll wipe the floor with the And next. you know what's great? It's starting to erase the and Andy Dalton can't win in primetime. The football gods are saying – Okay, you got your hair in order. Everything is working out well for the Bengals. What we're going to do is serve you up the Browns and the Texans on a platter. That will get rid of this whole primetime stink for you, and then you can move on forward with some confidence. What, ask for more. What better way to get rid of the demons than to exercise the demons against the Houston Texans who beat them in the first that's, couple of West Memphis? That's a great point. Good call. And you know what would make the people and region of Cincinnati even more happy, Wes, is if you came back to them. Not move, but you. I love your allegiance. I love Cincinnati. I I have many good friends and family there. And and yet you wish to the team. You wish for heartbreak for so many of them that love their Cincinnati Bengals. It's only football. I'm saying you should go back to the team, Wes. What better? Try to tell that to Mark on a Sunday when the Browns are losing. It's It's only only football. football. All right. I hope for their sake they have more in their lives than football. Uh, Andy Dalton, by the way, was on the cover of ESPN the magazine this week, and. he will not say, he would talk to the media on Thursday, will not say the product that he uses in his hair, which really shows a little bit of hair insecurity. Uh, and I'll tell you what I'll do right now. Um, I use Redken molding paste, uh, which you can pick up if you do a Google search. Great product. I've been using it exclusively for about five years now. My wife, Emily, uh, she, she Is this orders a new it. podcast sponsor? She, she orders it in bulk. Call us Redken. And listen, I don't care. I'm just saying they do a great work. And I'm um, just saying, go get it. Don't worry about Andy Dalton hiding his secrets. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't. I'm not quite sure how to take what just happened here, uh, but good for you. I wish. I wish you could wager on things. I know we're not allowed to do that at the NFL, but I, I saw a headline today on the around the NFL page. Dan, do you remember what the headline was exactly? Yeah, it's right it here. It was a- Andy Dalton won't share product that lifted hair game. And at, you know, I just saw the headline, <laughs> and I was thinking. What would the odds have to be for this to not be Dan's post? Would it be one to one trillion? <laughs> like one, like what? Like what were the chances that Dan was not the author of this? Like, that, it, what like it, Kevin Patcher wrote. Like, that? right? I, I clicked on the link and I was just hoping to be weirdly surprised that like Chris or Mark randomly wrote that. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't be the true. I just wanted life to be surprising. You you say write what you're interested in. What write what grabs you, Mark? That uh, Greg. That's one of like ethos of the around yeah. the NFL. That's what grabbed me. Oh, and I was glad you've been on fire today. I think you you would win the uh, MVP award for today. Between this and your Deshaun Jackson purple nurple (laughs) post, you have really covered the landscape. There's going to be a 30 for 30 on this day like the OJ (laughs) thing. It's going to be the old Zeuser November 12th. I got 10 hours of sleep last night, and I think it's really paid off. Um, (laughs) That's it. Uh, We all took, of course, uh, Cincinnati to remain undefeated in this game. That is it for... Uh, Thursday, Friday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We'll be back, of course, on Sunday night. Uh, our flagship show, uh, the great Colleen Wolf, Connie Fox will stop by, and we'll go over all of the games that we just previewed. So make sure you check that out. Mark, feel better, buddy. Thank you. Okay, get, get healthy. Um, that's it for now. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, La Cid, behind the glass. Behind the glass, behind the glass, behind the glass. Till Sunday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.